From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week, but we do have a guest this morning. It's Larry Bull, assistant director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. It's that time of year again when everybody's getting their rod, reel, and their favorite bait ready to go. Do some fishing. Larry's here to talk about how you can do some good springtime fishing and how his office is helping make sure that everyone does so in a safe and environmentally friendly manner. Join the conversation this morning with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. We'll be visiting throughout the hour with Larry Bull, the assistant director of the Fisheries Bureau for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. It is that time of year when people are getting their rod and their reel and their favorite bait ready to go to do some fishing. Larry's here with some tips for good springtime fishing and how his office is helping to make sure that everyone does so in a safe and environmentally friendly manner. You can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, and a reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday morning, it does repeat Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, gentlemen. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Dr. Major, anything uh, unusual in the clinic or some trends that you might be seeing about uh, pets uh, this time of year? Well, you know, sometimes you think there's a trend going on and then it really stops all of a sudden. But, yes, we're starting to see allergy-type situations more. Uh, We're seeing more, unfortunately, dog fights. Uh, When I say dog fights, I'm talking about incidental dog fights uh, in the neighborhood, even among... uh, Housemates, sometimes they get in some issues. So sometimes there's bizarre behavior, and we see a lot of things that come in in threes, and that's, that, that may be a rule that happens in human <laughs> ER or elsewhere. We've had, uh, it's not necessarily a topic you like to talk about too much, but it was a, we've had three prolapsed rectums with extending colon, you know, mm. distal colons uh, out of the, uh, animal's body, and both all, all of those required some surgery. So why all of a sudden did we see three of those? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, usually it's caused by some uh, defect or straining. Uh, parasites can cause it, especially in young young dogs. They can strain because of that and then have a prolapse. So it's, it's fairly uh, intense when that happens, and it is an emergency. Mm-hmm. So if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or a fishing question for our guest, Larry Bull, give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. 
672-7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Larry, thanks for being on the show with us again. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background. Were you Are you someone that uh, even as a kid enjoyed fishing? and have, have, have you been a fisher your whole life? Yes, I have. Uh, you know, I think I started, I was five or six. I have fished some with my dad, but I have my fondest memories of fishing with my grandfather. Okay. And he took me quite a bit. I'd visit with him in, on the, in, during the summer when school was out, and he was a big crappie fisherman, so we did a lot of that together. I know I think it's probably the time of year when, when fishing rodeos go on, and I know the, the, the park that I walk in uh, in Pearl Bright Park has a, a fishing event each year, and they did it just this last year. But I always, it's always great to see when I go there that it's whole families of fishing. And so really, you know, fishing is one of those things that can be, you know, enjoyable for, for all members of the family. Yes, that's correct. And, and that's kind of the purpose of our fishing rodeos is to introduce the youth to fishing as well as uh, – for them to fish as, as a family group as well. And I think, unfortunately, that rodeo was last Saturday and yep. got canceled because mm-hmm. of the bad weather. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was out but, of town, um, but I remember it's usually very a, a big event where, you know, a lot of folks. And I noticed, I guess, because maybe some of the stocked fish were still in there, I noticed the, uh, on the following week there were more, you know, kind of just plain fishermen than there usually are in, in the park. I, I'm sure we, we, we see that all over where we <laughs> stock those fish, yes. All right, uh, so uh, being a lifelong fisherman, uh, and I know that, you know, uh, the, the, the rule is that can fishermen hold secrets kind of close to the vest, but uh, do you have a favorite bait or, or maybe a, a, a fishing tip that you could share with us all? Well, I like to fish this time of year for spawning crappie when they move in shallow. And I grew up fishing with jigs. My grandfather fished with jigs, and I, I like to jig fish for crappie okay. this time of year. And it's, it's kind of been a up-and-down season so far with cool uh, water temp- cool weather and a lot of rainfall. But uh, I know on Barnett, it's been slow. The spawn's been kind of slow. But uh, I think people are expecting things to really heat up this week. Um, so if you're listening this morning and have a fishing question, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 Also, uh, Dr. Major here ready to take any pet questions that you have for us. So let's start off a little bit with uh, some of the basics. Uh, do you need a license to fish in Mississippi? You do, yes. If you're between the ages of 16 and 64, you're required to have a license and there are a few exceptions. We have a dis- exempt if you're disability, if you're disabled, 100% disabled. But in general, yes, you do have to have a fishing license. Okay. And uh, where would someone go to find one? Uh, you can purchase those at lots of bait shops. Uh, w- Walmart sell them. We sell them uh, online. Uh, you can get your license. You can get it through the over the telephone. If you call our office, you can do that too. So we offer... Lots of ways to get a license. Okay. Uh, and if I remember correctly, when we talk about both hunting and fishing licenses, and correct me if I'm wrong, but part, you know, p- people might say, well, why don't they do that? Part of the reason is doesn't some of the money from those licenses go into the work that, the, that your department does? Yes, it does. It does. And, uh, in fact, we're solely funded by uh, the user, the angler groups, um, through license sales, permits that we sell at our state fishing lakes. And the number of licenses that we sell helps, uh, goes into a formula where we get federal money that's uh, through an excise tax that's raised on fishing equipment. When, when, angler, when people buy 
boats, trolling motors, fishing poles, fishing tackle, et cetera. There's a excise tax that's collected uh, by the federal, by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and that's um, divvied up among the states. And so, license sales play a big part in how much money we get back, and that supports our programs as well. Okay, so that's that's good to know. Several reasons there uh, why to go ahead and buy that fishing license because if you're a fisherman and and you buy one, you end up you're just helping yourself in the long run. That's for sure. Exactly. Uh, let's go to the callers. We've got uh, Joe and Baldwin on the line. Good morning, Joe. Uh, what's your question? Yeah. Yes, sir. Good morning to y'all. And uh, I was just getting ready to go to fishing somewhere, but I, I don't know where to go. Everything is posted. Everybody's saying don't drive on my land and all this stuff. I don't know where to go. Uh, Natural Trace Lake, uh, waterways, uh, you stop on the side of the road and fish in a creek or whatever, whatever. But what what can a man like me do? What can he go with fishing? Where, How do you do that? Where where are you located? I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with Baldwin. What county is that? Yeah, that Lee. That Lee County. Lee County. Mm-hmm. Up near Tupelo. Right. That's Tupelo. Tupelo. Okay. Well, we have several state fishing lakes in the area. Uh, I think uh, Lake Lamar Bruce is at Saltillo. Lake Elvis Presley is there outside of Tupelo. Uh, there's a small lake at Trace State Park that you can fish at Pontotoc. Uh, within the city limits of Tupelo, we have a, I think it's Veterans Park. We have a small, uh, what we call community fishing assistance program lake. So there's a pond within that park that you can fish at. Okay. Well, is it illegal uh, to park your car on the side of the road out of the way and walk off down in the creek? Is, is that legal or what? Uh, you have to be careful about trespassing, so I would be cautious before I did that. Well, that's what I need to know. I know several places I can stop and fish, but I don't know whether it's legal or whether it's right, whether it's law. I don't know. And I hate to go down there and catch a bunch of fish and then come back and pay a fine to catch them. So right, yes, sir. You, I know people. you see people doing that, but I'd be, be cautious about trespassing. All right, uh, Joe, thanks for the call. Yeah, you never know uh, whose land you might be going on to get to the creek. And, that again, that's something that you probably don't even want to worry about because there are so many approved areas where people can go fishing. Is there a reference online, maybe at your website, that has a list of some of the fishing areas in the state? Uh, we do. We have a list of our state fishing lakes on our website. We also have fishing reports from various water bodies. Uh, we have a list of our state parks that don't. Most of the, a lot of those parks have lakes within them also, so we do have a lot of resources online. Yes. Okay, let's get one more call in before our first break. It goes to Al in South Haven. Good morning, Al. Go ahead. Hey, uh, just a comment about uh, favorite types of fishing. Okay. Uh, mine is fly fishing for anything that swims, and <laughs> a lot of people think cold water fisheries uh, like they have in Arkansas. Let me tell you, one of the best things that you can do is grab a fly rod and go brim fishing. It's also relatively inexpensive and a great way to introduce kids. It's it's quite simple. All you need is a few little bass bugs and a, a few little mosquito-looking uh, bugs that you you know that either float or sink, and man, you can have a blast just about anywhere. 
All right, Al, thanks for the call. Uh, Larry, have you ever been fly fishing? I was getting ready to say, Al, I agree with you. I, I do the same thing. I love to fly fish, popping bugs and brim. Um, I've never trout fished, but uh, speaking of that, we do stock, we have stocked trout in a pond that's associated with Lake Lamar Bruce up near Tupelo the last couple winters with trout. Okay. And so we've had a, a wintertime fishery up there for the last few years. All right. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with our guest today. It's Larry Bull, Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And Dr. Major is here, ready to take some pet questions. So give us a call. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So today we're visiting with Larry Bull, who's the assistant director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or a fishing question or a comment for Larry, give us a call today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Larry, we're talking come about the basics and said that you do need a license. However, uh, the money from that license goes into really supporting uh, the work uh, that uh, that you, your department does, that the, the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks does, and also helps fishermen in the long run. Uh, you also mentioned a fishing report. If you would tell us what that is. Well, we our uh, biologists um, contact local fishermen or bait shops and provide weekly f- information about fishing, what people are catching, what baits they are using. Uh, we have a selected number of water bodies that we gather that, that information for and put it on our website. Okay. Trying so, to help anglers where to go and what how to fish. Yeah, because I would, I would think, especially for maybe someone who's just starting out, if, if you go and you can't catch anything, that might not be a fun experience. Well, it, you know, it's you still can have a really nice time being outside. You You know... I like to fish. I don't always catch anything, but uh, I think I just enjoy getting out and having the experience outside, too. You know, you're right. I, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan, and people say baseball is so, such a slow sport that they don't like to watch it. But in the in the downtime, that's when you socialize with the people that you're the ball game with. And I guess it's the same way with fishing. First of all, you're out at a nice lake or something, nice weather. And if you brought some buddies along, it's a it's a chance to catch up while and uh, wait to see who gets the first bite or whatever. Sure, sure. And you're, if you're out on Barnett or some of the waters, you're going to see birds, blue heron. I was out last week and... I mean, there's a lot of other wildlife to see while you're out and enjoying yourself. Okay. Uh, we got another caller on the line, so we welcome uh, Willie in from Corinth. Good morning, Willie. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Yeah, I read a call that, that caller that came in talking about Baldwin. Uh-huh. A few minutes ago, uh, he got that county wrong. That's in uh, Prentice County, Baldwin is. Okay. I'm from up around the car rent area, and I do a lot of fishing on that uh, Tennessee River. I find me a good brim hole, man. I like to wear them out up there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Willie, thanks uh, Thanks for the call in. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Larry Bull, Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So when I talk about ways of fishing, are there any unapproved methods for fishing? 
Well, as a sport, I mean, if you if you if you're a, if you buy a sport fishing license, you're limited. You're you can't fish with nets, okay, or at least what we com- call commercial gear. There are you can fish with a minnow trap or uh, maybe a dip net to collect some bait, but uh, cast net to collect some bait, but. Uh, Larger gill, what we call gill nets, and some other gears that are classified as commercial gear, you cannot use if you're a sport, have a sport fishing license. Okay, and that would seem to make sense is that kind of sharing the resources for for everybody to enjoy in that case. So, mm-hmm, that's okay. correct. Yes. Uh, is there a limit when you go out fishing as to how many fish you're allowed to catch? Yes, we have what we call statewide limits on some of the game fish, um, and then on certain water bodies, we may have a more specific. Uh, regulation that's tailored just for that particular water body. So, you know, I could give you some numbers, but it's, you know, we have that information on our website. And, um, but you, you need to check where you're going fishing to see if there are any special regulations. And again, so uh, also you talked about those fishing reports. So again, it would be a good idea for anybody going out fishing to, to check your website and, and get some, some useful information. Right, yes, sir. And we also, not only do we have creel limits, but we also have size limits in, on some of our water bodies where, for example, on the floor, for, well, on Ross Barnett Reservoir, for example, if you catch a black bass, a largemouth bass, or a spotted bass, it has to be over 14 inches before you can harvest it. Okay. So we're protecting smaller fish on right. that on that water body. All right. And so, again, that, that all goes into kind of managing the resources uh, to make sure that fishing is, is available for everybody to enjoy. That's correct. So I think you mentioned a, a little bit earlier about the state fishing lakes. Um, if you would, tell us uh, maybe about where some of those are located. And then uh, I guess it's not just fishing there, but you, there are some other opportunities at those state fishing lakes. So tell, talk a little bit about that if you could. That's correct. Um, we have 20 state fishing lakes that we uh, – most of the time, own and operate those ourselves. So we have a employee that's stationed at that particular facility. Um, they're located primarily in the northeast part of the state. As I mentioned earlier, we have several around Tupelo, uh, one up even farther north, close to where that gentleman is in Corinth. But and also, there's several in the northeast part of the state, east central part between here and Meridian, uh, north and south of I-20. If you can think of some of those counties. Uh, that we have state fishing lakes. And then down in the south part of the state, we have some of our state fishing lakes. Uh, we offer uh, camping at most of those lakes. We also have picnic facilities, uh, pavilions that people can rent out, and they'll have family reunions. We'll have weddings, all kinds of activities at those lakes. A lot of our lakes, we have our youth fishing rodeos throughout the year, too. So um, we do offer a lot of bank. They're clean. We have public restrooms. Um, you know, we keep the grass mowed. It's, they're nice facilities. Keep them clean, safe environment for folks to come out and fish. All right. Although I, I, the silly part of me, a wedding at, at, a, at a fishing lake, that sounds like that might, uh, might result in the bride being upset about something, but hopefully that, that won't happen. But again, that's just the way my, my twisted mind works sometimes. Yeah. We've got another caller on the line. So let's uh, talk to John in Jackson. Good morning, John. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, good morning. Uh, I wanted to ask about uh, classes for people who um, have never fished, don't, don't have anybody in the family that did, don't know anything about it. How, how do you, what do you learn about it, and how do you learn to get started? And secondly, uh, finally, do you um, are there places where you fish where you can eat the fish that you catch? Those two things. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
you know, we don't offer specifically fishing classes, but if if you have a child that's under 16 and they come to the fishing rodeo, we'll help you get started fishing. And um, we, we'll have extra poles that a child can use available for them to, to fish with. Um, you know, you can get a lot of information on YouTube and online if you have access to the Internet. Um, you know, and you can read, uh, or if you got a friend, they'll take you fishing. That's, that's a great way to get started. If you have a, have someone that you know that can introduce you to that. I wish we, we, we were doing some youth fish camps in the past, uh, with smaller, uh, numbers of children, but, uh, uh, we don't have any of those scheduled this year in this area. Um, and I, your question about eating the fish, um, most areas it's safe to eat the fish. Uh, the Department of Environmental Quality does go around and check. They collect fish samples from different water bodies in the state, and they check the tissue for uh, mercury and some other uh, contaminants. So there are some health advisories out, uh, consumption advisories, so you do need, do need to be aware of that depending on where you're um, going to fish. And, and we, we have that published in our outdoor digest and i'm sure you can get through the department of health too all right john good to hear from you we've got some open phone lines if you have a question about fishing today for our guest larry bull the assistant director of the fisheries bureau at the mississippi department of wildlife fisheries and parks you can give us a call also dr majors here ready to take any pet questions that you have give us a call with at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So on my uh, script here, it says current fishing reports. So, Larry, can you can you give us the current fishing reports on maybe a couple of areas? Uh, what about the Ross Burnett Reservoir? Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of been a, you know, we think of crappie during the spring. Of course, there are a lot of people out fishing for largemouth bass, too. But uh, we'll talk about crappie first. Uh, the... Uh, my understanding is right now there's the, the some of the males have moved in shallow, but some of the females are still in uh, six to eight to ten feet of water, and uh, expect them to move in and spawn. They move in shallow to spawn, and sh- that should happen any time. Um, you know, below the spillway when they release a lot of water, you'll see a lot of people fishing down there, and they're catching crappie and catfish and uh, striped bass as well. Uh, largemouth bass, they're in their spawning mode too so they should be shallow and you can catch those fish as well all right uh what about uh maybe at the corps of engineer reservoirs uh octibahi near meridian uh, sardis grenada enid arcabutla what can you tell us about uh, those areas well with all the rainfall it's been i was checking fish reports last night before i came on and uh a lot of water in those reservoirs Uh, we've had a lot of rain in the north north part of state the, the Corps of Engineers, oper- those are flood control reservoirs. All five of those reservoirs are flood control, so they try to maintain the water level, and it fluctuates quite a bit. So my understanding is the crappie are scattered. Uh, people are catching them deep. Some of them are catching them shallow. Uh, as the waters fall, the crappie seem to move out away from vegetation from the shallow areas. As the water rises, they'll they'll move back in to, to spawn. But Water levels are fluctuating a lot with a lot of rainfall, so it's been kind of scattered. Fishing's been spotty at best. But uh, really, I guess even this time of year, it sounds like what you told us about those fishing reports, and it really does sound like if, if you're an angler and you're going out 
it would behoove you to just check out the website and get that fishing report so you kind of know, even maybe in one of your favorite spots, what area to go to to try to be successful when you go out fishing. Yes, we, we try to provide as much information as we can to help the anglers. Okay. Uh, looks like we got a couple of calls on the line, so we'll start again with Martha in Long Beach. Martha, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. I would like to have a drone that would take my hook and bait <laughs> out further than I can cast it and drop it into the water. Do you think anyone will come up with something like that? Yeah, you know, I've seen some people doing that on the, in the, on the beach surf fishing oh uh, wow and, you know and i don't know how they operate it but i'm sure you know it's nothing i've I, we haven't seen that on any of the freshwater lakes that i'm i'm aware of oh well i hope one day they come up with it and thank you all so much all right martha that's a that's an interesting question and that's a, certainly a use of drone technology that there would be nothing illegal about that if someone were to rig up something like that. Would not at this time. We don't have any rules or regulations against (laughs) that. Probably that was one of those things that maybe you never even thought of. No, we haven't. (laughs) All right. Let's get one more uh, question before our next break. Buddy is on the line from Greenville. Good morning, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah. Good morning. My question is about the carp, the invasive uh, carp Mm -hmm. species. Yeah. I've heard different things about, how they affect the crappie fishing. Uh, you know, some folks say, well, they don't eat the fry, they don't eat this. I know they eat the zooplankton's and the, the feed for the fry, but uh, exactly what is the impact uh, from the carp on the crappie fishing? Well, specifically, um, there's no doubt that when you have invasive species, and, and we've got actually four species of what we call Asian carp, the silver carp is probably what most people, a lot of people are familiar with, which is the jumping carp. There's grass carp that have been introduced to control vegetation. We have the black carp as well as the big head carp. But I think you're probably referring primarily to the silver carp, which is the most abundant in term and most familiar people are most familiar with. Um, no, there's no doubt that when you introduce species, these are all from China and, and Asia. Um, and you introduce a new species into the, into the ecosystem, they they take away resources from our native fish populations. And, yes, they are filter feeders, and they do take away from uh, some of the – they do compete directly with shad and some of the other fish species that serve as food for crappie and other things. We've been looking at – some of our biologists have been looking at some of the uh, fish populations in the Mississippi River oxbows, and we're seeing a change uh, – where we're seeing less shad and more carp in those uh, oxbow lakes that are associated with the Mississippi River. So, you know, there may be some impact from those fish. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for your call, buddy. Let's take a break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with our guest, Larry Bull. He is the Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And Dr. Major is here ready to take some pet questions. If you got one, give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. 
Welcome back. This is Preacher Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. But we do have a guest in studio. We're visiting with Larry Bull, the assistant director of the Fisheries Bureau for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So we're looking for your fishing-related questions and pet questions at this number, one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also email the show. The address is animals at mpbonline.org. Got another caller on the line. So let's go to Biloxi. Nancy's called in today. Good morning, Nancy. Go ahead. Good morning. My question's for Dr. Bull. I was looking to see if you had a combination freshwater and saltwater fishing license. They seem to be a separate thing on the website. I believe that's correct. Yes, I think they are. You, they're two separate licenses. Do you know the cost for each? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. But and are if you, you wanted to order them online, is there a fee to do that? Uh, there's probably a slight service fee charge. Yes, I believe there is. All right, I appreciate it. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, and so uh, if you keep listening, I, we've got uh, some uh, Internet access here, so we might be able to find that out. Uh, would it be on the website? Well, the, I, Okay, yeah, wait, you've got it? I do. If, okay. you're, if you're a resident, a saltwater fishing license is, is $10 plus, well, twelve twenty nine with service fees, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, an annual license for freshwater fishing is about the, it's the same, same amount. Okay. Uh, another question on the line, so let's go to Brandon now and invite Stephen into the program. Good morning, Stephen. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Thank you, sir. Uh, yes, sir, Dr. Larry, uh, do you know places that you can fish from shore besides below the spillway uh, without a boat for a crappie this time of year? I went to one spot off of uh, Spillway Road yesterday on the uh, Rankin County side, and I was one of their other spots. Uh uh, there's a fishing pier at, uh, on the back, uh, upper end of Pelahatchie Bay off 471. Um, yeah. that's on the, it's kind of more in Pelahatchie Creek. Uh, a lot of people will fish off the pier up at Highway 43, uh, where it crosses the reservoir. Uh, people will fish, catch crappie fishing, uh, the riprap on the south side of Highway 43. Um, we had a co coworker that you didn't have a boat, but he was up here and he he caught a lot of crappie along the bank. There, you know, have to be careful. But the riprap along Highway Forty Three, uh, also near uh, Cock of the Walk, where there there's a, a levee out. Uh, people call it the turnaround. I think there's a levee that extends out near the Breakers uh, Apartments, and you can fish there and you can catch some crappie. Okay. Uh, just one other question, please, sir. I have a daughter, teenage daughter, who has a developmental disability, and, and I've only taken her uh, fishing a few times, and I want to take her somewhere where she can be guaranteed to catch fish, even if that's a private pond like Kefish Pond. Do you have a listing of those that in the area? Because I, I didn't want her to just sit there and, and not catch fish, which I've often done before. But uh any recommendations for that? Well, we have a youth fishing ro- rodeo coming up at Fleur's Bluff State Park uh, Saturday, April the 28th. Okay. Uh, and that's where we've, we'll have a net out and we'll put some catfish inside the net. That'd be a great opportunity for her to come. 
Uh, yeah, we went one up on the reservoir before. I didn't know if there were any private ponds or if y'all have listings of things that um, places where you could go or how I could find out about that. I don't uh, mind paying just as long as she gets to catch something. Right. There are, you know, I don't know of any. There are some. I know of one pay lake down near in the Puckett area, but it's a pretty good sized lake. Maybe actually be a membership lake. So I'm not aware of any private ponds where you can go fishing. All right, uh, Stephen, thank you for the call. Uh, while we're at it, let's uh, mention some of the uh, activities you have uh, for kids. Um, uh, um, and it looks like April 21st is, is a big day, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, outreach activities for, for kids. Okay, I sure will. We we do what we call our Youth Fishing Rodeo Program, where we will either small pond or if it's a larger lake we'll put a net out and stock some catfish inside the net make it easy for kids to catch fish or have have the opportunity to catch fish we do over 50 of these events a year all over the state Um, we start in march and we'll run through october Uh, we have a schedule on our website Uh, the rodeos are for youth 15 years and under and uh, coming up on the 21st of april we have one at Sardis Lower Lake. Um, we have one in Meridian at QV Sykes Park, uh, in Amory at McAlpin Lake, and also Diamond Head down on the coast at Diamond Head, Diamond Head Twin Lakes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have an event in the Jackson area next Saturday, the 28th, at Lafleur's Bluff State Park. It starts at 8 o'clock. And then we'll have a big event that's in the first Saturday in June up at our facility at uh, what we call Turcotte Lab. It's our central region office off Highway 43. We do this event in conjunction with the Mississippi Wildlife Federation as well as Walmart's been a big sponsor. Uh, we'll have a lot of kids. There's fishing and some other activities going on then. Okay. But we do have a schedule on our website. Like I say, we've got events all over the state. Yeah, and so March from October, things are just really warming up. So, again, uh, if you're someone who wants to kind of get your kids interested in fishing, these would be a great opportunity. Uh, so just check the website, which I think is w just mdwfp.com. Okay. Right. Pretty simple. I didn't start it with the right letter there. Well, I mean, it you, probably does come up that way, but Mississippi Department of Wildlife, you'll find it. Okay. Very good. Uh, let's uh, get another caller on the line. Mikey is on the line from Mobile with a pet question. Go ahead, Mikey. First, may I say thank you so much for this program, as usual. Uh, I'm getting so much information that, to questions that I didn't even know to ask. <laughs> well, thank um, you. But, uh, uh, well, Dr. Troy, you know I have this dog that's kind of like one of the dogs that you have, you know. Um, and uh, actually, I've got two of them. They look like, um, well, they look like little adorable foo-foo dogs, <laughs> But they're not. They are dirt dogs. Okay. And when I put the flea flea, that's F-L-E-A-F-L-E-E, stuff on them, on backs of their necks, the first thing they do, of course, is go out and roll around in as much dirt as possible. I've tried keeping them in a little bit, and I've tried extending the time a little bit. How long is it safe to leave them in? before they go out and bring it all back in from the outside, you know? So, I mean, am I, maybe I'm not making myself clear. You, Leave it on them with that before I let them go out and, like I said, bring it all the dirt and mud. And it's, a, it's a fairly normal reaction, I think, uh, for, for dogs and cats to react to uh, some of the topicals. 
uh, you might consider oral medication if uh, if it gets to be too big a problem. But in answer to your question, if you could let it stay on, it probably has an oily base. And if you let that stay on a couple of hours, most of that will have penetrated and be gone. Uh, but there are some good ones that are oral. Uh, there's one three-month uh, pill that's given, and then there's uh, a monthly, uh, several monthly pills that are given that are very effective against fleas. All right, Mikey, thanks for your call. Uh, let's take one final break this hour. By the way, uh, the pill for three months, if I had to give my pet a pill, I'd much rather do it every three months than every month, that's for sure. <laughs> We're going to take a final break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion with our guest today, Larry Bull. He's the Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We'll be back to wrap up Creature Comforts after this last break. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And our guest today is Larry Bull. He's the Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So we've been talking about fishing, had some great questions. Uh, Still some time left if you need a a question answered. And Dr. Major is here ready for some pet questions. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-672. Seven four six four. So, Dr. Major, before the break, we had a question uh, about uh, flea control, and I know it's always important to to mention the importance of uh, year year round flea control here in Mississippi. But also, you always like to talk about heartworm prevention as well. So, if you could uh, give us the give us the four one one on that. Right. Well, they they definitely go hand in hand. I mean, we have fleas pretty much year round here. Heartworm prevention is most important. Uh, from the standpoint of protecting your dog, uh, there's uh, a whole host of flea control and heartworm preventives. You have to pick one that uh, you feel comfortable with and that works. Uh, as far as the flea control, there are several that are really, really good at this point. Now, some of the flea population has developed immunity or resistance to some of the older flea control products. But if it's working for you and you have it, continue to use it. Regular use is important. Uh, A lot of times uh, stray animals will bring fleas to your property uh, on your doormat or whatever, and your uh, cat or dog can get the fleas from that. Heartworm preventive, uh, there are topical heartworm preventives. There is an injection that lasts for six months, and there are many monthly heartworm preventives. I would urge you to have your dog tested before putting it on the heartworm preventive just to be safe. We try to start the puppies at about 12 weeks of age now, 12 to 14 weeks of age, on the heartworm preventive uh, to ensure that uh, they don't have a problem. Okay. We've got a pet question on the line, so let's welcome Ken uh, from Boonville. Good morning, Ken. You're on the air. Yes, thank you. Uh, Dr. Majors. Yes. I have a million-dollar dog laying right here at my feet right now. Okay. And she constantly licks her paws. Yes. Any suggestions? Wow. I'll hang up and listen. Okay. okay. You know, this is a real issue, and I, I would like to, if you stayed on for a minute longer to uh, ask him if he, she was causing any lesions or sores on her feet. Uh, a lot of dogs do get fairly fanatical about licking their feet. Uh, you see a cat hold its paw up and clean its feet and everything. Well, some of the dogs are obsessive about licking their feet. She may be allergic to some grass, 
uh, some types of grasses. And a lot of times, if you're if they're licking all four feet, uh, that's probably the case. Now, in some other cases, they may be licking a foot or so, and there could be some infection going on, uh, some sores. So it's good to inspect those feet. And I would suggest talking to your vet about it. There may be some medication that could be given, kind of break the cycle, and hopefully that will help uh, stop that problem. Okay. It gets pretty bad if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and your dog is licking its feet vigorously. <laughs> it pretty well will wake you up. So anyway, uh, talk to your vet if uh, if you really feel like this is a severe enough problem to do something about also, and I guess, uh, you know, it, if they lick too much and then they, there's a sore there, then that might even convince them to try to, you know, lick more because they're trying to do something about making their, their paw feel better. Right. They can create sores by keeping the foot moist, uh, chewing on it a little bit, and you can get a fungal-type infection fairly easily uh, or sores uh, on the foot, and you may see some sores sometime in between the toes. So, yes, uh, it's important. This time of year we see... What is the wild barley? Uh, that grass has little awns on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will hang in between the toes and cause some issues, uh, even penetrate the skin and cause an abscess or sore. So inspect, and uh, hopefully it, it's not a serious problem. And I say it that a lot of this is habit uh, where the dogs lick their feet. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Still some time to work in a question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We're visiting with Larry Bull, the Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So, Larry, I know that uh, management of uh, the, the public uh, fishing lakes and that sort of thing is, is a big part of, of what you all do. Um, what about someone who owns a private pond? Do you offer any information assistance to folks who are trying to maintain uh, private ponds for fishing? Yes, we do. We sure do. We uh, uh, Pond owners can, can talk to our biologists in the field uh, to get help with managing, managing their ponds. In some cases, we'll come out and actually sample the fish in the pond and look at what species they have and what sizes of fish they have and then provide management recommendations. We are also doing, uh, across the state, pond workshops, pond management workshops. Uh, We have about nine or ten scheduled this year. We've got one coming up uh, April the 26th in Biloxi, uh, one in Monroe County on May 17th. the one cl- next one closest to Jackson area is in Raymond on June the 23rd, or excuse me, June 21st at the Mississippi State uh, Extension Facility in Raymond. Uh, we give a presentation about pond management. Um, then there's a question and answer period where we can talk to the biologists and ask them specific questions. We have resources on our website about pond management. We also publish a 50-page booklet in conjunction with the Mississippi State Extension Service about pond management. So we have a lot of resources available to help folks, a list of private hatcheries where they can buy fish. Uh, They can call us at our Jackson office, and I can get them hooked up with the biologists in their area to help them out. Okay. Very good. Looks like we've got another pet question on the line uh, from Carl in Jackson. Go ahead, Carl. You're on the air. Hi, thank you. Uh, listen, uh, a follow-up question the guys you were just talking to about the, the dog licking his paws. My dog will lick his tail to the point where he would start kind of gnawing at it, but now he has those sores on his tail. 
Okay. You got your fleas under control? No fleas? Uh, well, I had just noticed this morning, I had just noticed a couple of fleas, but before that, when he was also doing the, the scratching and, and gnawing, he had no fleas. Okay. I, w- I would suggest that, uh, I would suggest basically maybe some ointment or something like that for his, uh, hang on just a second. Yes, sir. Somehow I hit my phone. Uh, I would suggest that maybe some ointment or something on his tail where he's itching and chewing. And uh, if you don't have any fleas, if he doesn't have any fleas, consider allergies. But a lot of times uh, in a dog that has is licking or chewing around his tail, anal glands, there's some glands on either side of the rectum, will cause some pain and cause the dog to lick and chew in that area. So... It may be good well, to get him. Actually, uh, before uh, the fleas showed up, uh, like a couple of days ago, uh, and it happens every year, he scratches himself with no fleas. Right. I mean. Right. I suspect he's going to need some help with that. Uh, either uh, there's some medication called Apoquil, which uh, is given from the standpoint of stopping the itching, and then there are others, uh, even using steroids if necessary, to help with the itching and scratching. Talk to your vet. It sounds like you need to get this dog in to the veterinarian and see what they can do to help you. All right, Carl, thanks for that call. Let's get one last call in, and it's Bill in Ocean Springs. Go ahead, Bill. You're on the air. Yes, I have just recently retired and am on Social Security now. I was just wondering, how do you go about getting the card to show that you no longer have to have the uh, state fishing license and all that? Uh, or do I just carry my uh, Social Security form around with me? And I'll hang up and let's take Okay, Bill. Well, if you're 65 years or older, you're exempt from a license. You just need to have your driver's license with you. It'll show, it'll show your date of birth. Okay. All right. Um, so, Larry, um, is Mississippi a big hand-grabbing fishing state? Uh, yes, it is in certain areas, yes. It's pretty popular. It's getting it seems to be getting more and more popular over the last few years. Uh, people hand grab on Ross Barnett Reservoir, and what we're talking about is catching catfish mm-hmm. with your hands and not using your typical fishing rod and reel. And we have a season that uh, runs from May first through July the fifteenth, where you're it's legal to catch these fish by hand. Okay, and typically we're they're catching catfish that are spawning, uh, catfish. Flathead catfish, blue catfish, channel catfish, they're, they're cavity spawners. In other words, they will get in a hollow log or under a log or undercut bank on a river system and spawn. And people are pulling them out of their, kind of taking them off their nest. But that's, that's when, it's, when they are le- legally can do it, and that's why the catfish are so vulnerable to hand grabbing. Larry, let me uh, jump in here real quick. Uh, this is Java in the booth. Um, are you a big fan of uh, the radars, like the fishing radars, people using those on the waters, or is that, is that cheating? <laughs> well, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's cheating. It's definitely technology is definitely uh, evolving in terms of fishing. You know, years and years ago, you had a little unit on your boat that would flash and just show you the depth. And nowadays, you've got 3D sonar that looks out not only the depth below the boat, but also to either side of the boat. So uh, it's given 
fishermen more advantage, I think, in finding habitat, particularly with their, you know, fishing deeper water. Uh, but so far, we haven't really seen any impacts to the resources. So um, that's something that we keep an eye on, though. So you can go all the way from uh, not using anything and trying to grab a fish with your bare hand to uh, using depth finders, and now we've got the drone delivering your your line further out the water. So uh, that lot lot of area in there for fishermen to to play around with. Yes, that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding is provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest Larry Bull, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.